John Ellis and welcome to Logan Air's Flight Log, where I get to go behind the scenes of the UK's largest regional airline to find answers for your questions and discover exactly what it takes to keep Logan Air in the air and put all that on the air. This time I'm joined by Richard McClure, the Slots and Scheduling Manager at Logan Air. We'll get on to the day job in a minute, Richard, but if there's one thing I've noticed about the people I've chatted to so far for this podcast, it's that most who work in aviation are kind of there because they've They've fallen in love with it. And I'm wondering if you're the same. This is a little bit like the, the catch-up part at the start of a, a 70s cop show or something. Previously on Richard McClure, um, tell me a little <laughs> bit about your background and, and getting into this world and, and what you do today. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I have wanted to work in aviation from a very young age. I have memories of going on holiday in the early 80s uh, down to Butlins on the Ayrshire coast. And the coach that we took down also doubled up as a a means of people getting to Presswick to go and take their transatlantic okay. flights. So we had a, a layover at Presswick Airport and got to go and stand uh, at the Observation Spectators Gallery and see all these big jumbo jets going off to Canada and the United States. And then a couple of years later, one of my uh, neighbours, he was an air traffic controller at Aberdeen Airport where all I right. grew up. And uh, it was their 50th Jubilee uh, and they had a big air show. Concorde came in and did a touch and go. We got buzzed by uh, fighter jets going over the tower and it was just fantastic. So from that young age, I knew I always wanted to work in aviation. Well, I can, I can relate to the Presswick Airport stuff. I'm Butlins in there. I went a couple of times when I was uh, we. The, the thing I always remember was when you walked to the pool, they actually had windows that looked directly into it. So if you were swimming there, the, the fun thing to do was like swim down to the window and wave at passersby. But, I, <laughs> but I, I digress. Now, in my world, slots were like the games machines. You, you stuck your pocket money into it, Butlins in the evening after you'd had your meal. But I'm willing to guess slots in the world of aviation are, are very much different. So can you explain to me what a slot is, please? Of course I can, yes. The uh, idea of slots was uh, introduced back in the 80s, early 90s. As airports got uh, more constrained, there needed to be some mechanism by which uh, peak periods of demand would get smoothed out. So essentially a slot is a time that's issued to an airline to use the various uh, infrastructure of the airport. That includes landing on the runway itself, taxiing to the gate, parking on the parking stand, also measures the uh, flow of passengers through the terminals. So it allows that in periods of peak demand, that uh, capacity can be smoothed out a little bit. And otherwise, if it was unconstrained, it'd be like the Wild West and everybody (laughs) would want to operate at the same time in the morning, the same time in the evening, and it would be unsustainable. So uh, that is is what a slot is. And many passengers may have heard their captain on, on the plane telling them that they've been issued with a slot delay uh, that's actually a different type of slot. That's an air traffic control slot, which oh. is different from the slots that I deal with in my job. Uh, and those tend to be where maybe the weather is bad down route or it's a bit windy and the uh, aircraft that you're going, the airport you're going to arrive at maybe has to reduce the number of aircraft they can accept uh, in a period. Okay, so so um, in your world anyway, it's the duration for a flight to go through its entire time spent at an airport, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, good. It's just to manage delay at the airport within acceptable levels. Okay. Um, uh, Logan Air, though, has got more than, than, what, 70 routes? That's a lot of slots. How do you do that? 
Well, I've, it's been something <laughs> I've done my my entire career. So uh, my first role in aviation was with uh, Airport Coordination Limited, who are the slot coordinator for the UK. So I used to work uh, down at Heathrow, uh, coordinating airports such as Glasgow, Edinburgh, Stansted, Luton, Southampton. So I used to be the one that issued airport slots. And then I've worked for a couple of airlines, including Logan Air. But both my roles here and at my previous airline were, it was a bit poacher turned gamekeeper in that I was actually the one applying for the slots and, and looking after them. So yeah. yes, I'm, 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 a one, I'm a one man band, but uh, it's something I've done all my life. So I'm quite, a, quite used to the, uh, the pressure and the responsibility of managing our slot portfolio. Not all the airports we operate to officially uh, utilize airport slots. So there are only maybe a dozen of our 70 airports where I really have to be on my game and looking after our slots. Okay. All right. But adrenaline is something you get used to, I imagine. Um, what, what does a, a typical day look like then for you? It depends, really. I mean, if more so now that we're we're moving into these airports where slots are more important, the, the biggest part of my day is just looking after our slot portfolio, uh, thinking ahead. For example, at the moment, I'll soon be preparing our slot applications for summer 2024. Uh, the coordination period for that will begin in mid-September, and then we'll have to file our slot applications to the coordinators by early October. And then we'll find out in November uh, what slots we've got for summer 2024. And there's a, bi- a biannual uh, slots conference uh, that IATA hold where the world's air- airport coordinators and airlines meet up and, and we try and uh, thrash out any remaining lingering issues where we've maybe not quite got the slot that we wanted. Uh, and that whole process of everyone moving a little bit hopefully means that as much of the uh, uh, it's a bit like sort of sticker swaps when you were a child. It's like <laughs> not got need. And yeah. uh, if I'm not doing that, I'm I'm supporting uh, our head of revenue and scheduling uh, in sort of our schedules planning uh, side of things, looking at how we're going to assemble the schedule for summer summer next year, even winter next year, and then supporting my colleagues in revenue management uh, if we have to do any schedule changing or if indeed. Uh, we're booking ad hoc charter flights uh, from some of the sports teams that we carry. I have to make sure that we've got all the slots uh, for that and uh, helping them plan all that. So, I mean, although it's it's the same principle, no two days sound ever completely the same. I know that um, Logan Air recently secured new slots at Heathrow. That's a pretty big achievement for the airline, isn't it? Uh, no, it is. I mean, if you told me when I joined the company 13 years ago that one day I'd be looking after Heathrow slots, I, I maybe wouldn't have been so impolite to laugh in your face, but, but I would have given you a quizzical look and said, really? So, no, it's um, it, it's really, really satisfying to sort of have gone from the company that I joined all those years ago to now sort of being a Heathrow carrier. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And we owe a, a lot of gratitude to our managing director, Jonathan Hinkles, who saw the opportunity to perhaps uh, get into Heathrow, thinking creatively and, and being tenacious. So uh, uh, yeah, that that's fantastic that my role includes sort of playing at a, a big airport like that now. Absolutely. Well done on that. Uh, what, what about other highlights for you over your career? I get to do so many interesting things. I remember um, back in the Olympics, uh, Logan Air carried the uh, Olympic torch all around the Highlands and Islands. Of course. Uh, so I was involved in, in planning and organizing all of that uh, and, and making sure that we had uh, 
the airport slots that we needed uh, at um, some of the busier airports like Aberdeen, Edinburgh and Glasgow uh, to support that mission. So that, that's been good and, and we've got to carry the Scotland men's and women's football teams. We've carried Ryder Cup teams. We've supported film productions. We've supported Formula One. So all of those things. Uh, and I'm a Formula One fan as well. So getting to be directly involved in, in getting airport slots and making sure that everything is going to go to plan for some of those flights that we're operating and, and be directly involved in it is is quite rewarding. Someone has made a note here on your file saying that you managed to uh, to play a part in scheduling a charter flight for the football team that you support. Indeed. <laughs> okay, two things here, right? One, we'll chat about that football team when the recorder's not on. And two, when an Olympic flame travels in a plane, do you have to extinguish it momentarily for safety? No, don't tell me. I'm only kidding. Now, Logan, <laughs> Logan, Logan Air operates some of the world's most famous flights. I mean, the, the only scheduled beach landing at Barra, the world's shortest flight between Westry and Papa Westry, which is, what, 90 seconds? How does that impact on your job? Again, I mean, I don't think any of my peers in the industry have to deal with such interesting and varied things like that. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's many people that have to input a schedule into their uh, operating system where some of the flights literally only last for two minutes or, or five minutes. Uh, so you, you see how the, the flights look in our system and you see all these tiny little uh blocks which are all the tiny little flights in and around the Orkney Islands and uh, whilst on one extreme in my role I'm looking after our slots at Heathrow and making sure that we uh, adhere to the very strict guidance that uh, you need to um, follow to make sure that you don't lose those slots at Heathrow. The other end of of my role is uh, twice a year we collect uh, hydrographic data from the UK Hydrographic Office, TIDES, essentially, for for BARA. And then uh, I have to translate that into an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> and then from that, I use uh, that to decide if we can uh, achieve the core timetable for the BARA flights or if the TIDE indeed will frustrate that and then uh, move the flights accordingly, depending on the tides. <laughs> so that is quite that's quite a tricky job. F- fortunately, a colleague of mine who's very very clever with uh, Excel and and things like that has come up with an amazing tool that is somewhat uh, automated it a little bit for me. Um, made it uh, a lot less likely that if I'm tired, I make uh, any mistakes. <laughs> so so that that that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, it, it is it's probably the biggest variance in the industry of landing on a tiny beach in Barra and landing at one of the world's busiest airports at Heathrow. It's uh, it's one of these things that if you if I didn't know that the job existed, I, I would I would never think anything of it. But when you've explained it to me like that, it sounds so interesting. I'm particularly uh, taken with the idea of the slots conference. I mean, imagine all you guys getting together to sort of coordinate the optimal amount of time for drinks, scheduling on bars. <laughs> <laughs> Meticulous. Richard, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm John Ellis, and, and that was another episode of Logan Air's Flight Log, where we take the big issues of being in the air and put them on air. If you want to listen to more episodes, you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, or whenever you usually listen, right here, and on Logan Air's own website webpage as well. Remember, if you enjoyed Flight Log, please rate and recommend us and please follow us if you have that option. That way Flight Log will touch down with you whenever we publish a new episode. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. So we're again.